0: Welcome to Stories Worth Telling. I'm Rana Dietrich. There are stories worth telling. Amazing and beautiful stories that deserve to be told. And here's why. If we would but hear them, remember them, resurrect them, we would find ourselves strangely stronger, braver, wiser, more tender, more and more ourselves. So that's what I do. I tell those stories, ones worth telling, ones that deserve to be told. Some of them you've probably heard before, maybe just not quite like this. Others you've probably never heard, and all of them will sound so profoundly familiar that you'll wonder if truly the story I'm telling is yours, or at least the one you believe deep, in your bones is the one you're meant to live. May it be so. Today's story worth telling is another little known one with beyond big ramifications. It's the story of Tabitha. But before I get to her, a couple of public service announcements. Uh, first, you might have heard, but I'm starting something called Gatherings. It's an occasional book group for women. We're meeting virtually every quarter and talking about four books over the next year. So the first one's coming up in just about three weeks, the middle of October, and we'll be looking at Sue Monk Kidd's amazing book, The Dance of the Dissident Daughter. I read this for the first time over 15 years ago, which I find hard to believe, and I still reread it to remind me of what I need to know, already know, want to know. It is so powerful. Then in January of 2017, we're going to be discussing The Red Tent by Anita Diamond, a perfect holiday reading for you. It's such a great read. I can't wait to look at that one with each of you. And then in April-ish time frame, we'll dive into Terry Tempest Williams' book called When Women Were Birds, which is stunningly beautiful. Then, of course, there'll be a fourth book next summer that I just haven't picked yet, Anyway, I would love it if you would join me. Uh, I really am hoping to create community and great conversation among women around topics that relate to all of us. So all you have to do to get the details is go to my website, com forward slash gatherings and get signed up. And then the second little announcement today is this. I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, I work with these women's stories, these Ancient, sacred, and often little known tales in lots of different ways. I offer a weekly email that comes out every Sunday morning in your inbox that offers you just a snippet, like a blessing of encouragement in one of these women's voices. And those are called notes from her. I also offer something called sacred readings the best way for me to explain this is that you would send me your question or intent or hope or concern. And then I'm going to draw a card of one of these women and their stories from this deck of cards that I've made for myself. It's sort of like tarot or some other kind of divination deck or reading, but it's not. Um, That's just the best way for me to explain it. Anyway, once I've drawn the card for you, I then craft this 10 to 12 page PDF that tells you all about the woman, the powerful themes in her story, and lots of ways that those themes apply to your story, along with super practical things that you can do to implement those themes and work them into your own life. Great journaling questions, just lots of ways of thinking about it. I would love to create one of these for you so that you know and have one particular story or more as your own. And of course, you can learn all about sacred readings and notes from her and lots of other things at my website, ronadietrich.com. Okay, so back to our regular scheduled programming and today's story worth telling. This story appears in the book of Acts, which is in the New Testament. It's the first book after the four gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it picks up just after Jesus' death. Uh, The book of Acts tells story after story of the apostles, the men who were closest to Jesus, and their work of trying to sustain his message and strengthen the earliest formations of community and church. And in the midst of that is the story of Tabitha. So here's how it goes from Acts chapter 9. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room, but the believers had heard that Peter was nearby, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Tabitha had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand, and he helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. Okay. Pretty fantastical story, isn't it? Here are the themes of Tabitha's story. And in my opinion, the themes of yours. Number one, you deserve fierce advocacy. Number two, rise up. Much life awaits you. And number three, miracles are yours to experience. Those sound good. Yeah. All right, I'm going to get to them in a bit, but first I want to look a little bit closer at the details of Tabitha's story. She's introduced to us as a woman who was, quote unquote, a believer, always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. This is how she's named and known. Now, a little bit later, we learn that she was a weaver, a maker of coats and clothes. So she's a woman of industry, entrepreneurship, self-sufficiency, and she has great faith in and great kindness. How beautiful is that? Then we come to realize that she is a widow on top of all this. Now, given the status or lack thereof of women at that time, the fact that she was able to make money on her own and be generous to others is hugely significant, especially given that she was a widow. So that's who we're dealing with here, an amazing woman. And then we learn all of this and she dies. Wait, what? But of course, that's not the end of the story. The other believers, other people of faith, other people of the community, her friends, all of them, they hear that Peter, one of the apostles, is close by and they send a couple guys to beg him to come. Now, what in the world would have made them think to ask this? Why would they have thought that Peter's presence would have made any difference? And more than all else, who was this woman, now dead, who compelled people to leave their doubts at the door when faced with the possibility of her loss? I can't imagine this. If someone I deeply respected and deeply loved died, it wouldn't occur to me to go find someone to bring them back to life. Would it you? I might wish that, might want that, might wonder if it's possible, but I would know better. I would wail and moan and grieve to be sure, but eventually, whether I wanted to or not, I would go back to the day in, day out work of learning how to accept loss and move on, no matter how hard. And it's because I know that's what I do that this story is that much more stunning to me. Her friends refused to allow her death. They believed something more could be done. They demanded a miracle. Now, she, of course, doesn't know any of this is happening, that people are advocating for her and demanding that she be brought back to life. And I think it is important to note this, to note that nothing is required of her to make this advocacy happen. Nothing is required to make her worthy of their effort on her behalf after she was already gone. She was dead. Her body was being washed and prepared for burial. And it's this, the advocacy that is taking place on her behalf without any work on her part that speaks to our first theme. You deserve fierce advocacy. Do you believe me? Can you imagine that you could possibly be fought for in this way, even after the fact? That your friends and community would care about you this much? Well, that's what Tabitha invites you to not only consider, but to believe. I know. I know, you already feel resistance, don't you? So I'd invite you to set that aside, to just consider what it would feel like to actually believe me when I say, you deserve fierce advocacy. You do, you know. Here's what we most often know, though. We work to stay alive. We work to be viable and industrious and generous. We strive and slave and struggle. We are determined to prove our value, to be good enough, to be better. It rarely occurs to us that we don't need to do more or try harder or be better in order to be worthy of others' love and support and advocacy. We don't consider it, and because of such, it's exhausting. We rarely, if ever, consider that perhaps we are already worthy. Tabitha's story causes us to slow down and consider what it means to allow kindness and grace, to believe that you are worth being advocated for, and to let that awareness, that truth, Be what breathes life back into you instead of just trying a little bit harder one more time over and over again. Will you let that soak in? Repeat after me I deserve fierce advocacy. I deserve fierce advocacy. I deserve fierce advocacy. advocacy. There is nothing I need to do or say to make this true. I can rest as in the deepest of sleeps, almost like the sleep of death, where every plate I was spinning and ball I was juggling and effort I was extending can fall away, where I can, even if only for a moment, see myself as Tabitha does, as worthy of others' efforts and demands and love on my behalf. I deserve this, and so it is, okay, so Tabitha dies, not mostly dead, like Billy Crystal's wife says in the Princess Bride, completely dead, and then Peter comes as called now, why does he come when he could have so easily said no she's she's already dead after all. Well, I think it goes right back to this advocacy piece. He is profoundly moved by the way her friends and community speak of her so beautifully, so powerfully, so kindly. And it's this, their advocacy of her, that strengthens his belief in himself, that causes him to be willing to trust in his own capacity, to believe as they do, that she is worth his prayers, his effort, his every attempt At the miracle that others long for on her behalf. So, Peter prays for her and tells her to get up, and she does. She opens her eyes, she sits up, she takes his hand, he helps her up, and then she's presented back to her friends, now alive. Can you even begin to imagine the celebration, the joy, the tears? And think about it from her perspective. She would have been relatively bewildered by all of this, not having known she was dead in the first place, nor resurrected. For her, it would have been like going to sleep and then waking up, but not for anyone else. How strange would that have been? What did it mean for her to step into her day-to-day life, aware that it had been gone, over, done, but that now it wasn't? We can only begin to imagine this, right? Now, it could be at this point in Tabitha's story that you have already started to disconnect a bit from what I'm saying. What about this could possibly be relevant in your day-to-day life, this resurrection story? I'm so glad you asked. The point is not about the resurrection as much as it is about the rising up. That's the part that you can do. That's the part that you can understand. That's the part that you can practice. And that's the part that Tabitha speaks to again and again, directly into your very soul. Rise up. Much life awaits you. Tabitha was an ordinary woman, just like me and you. She wasn't a saint She didn't give birth to the Messiah. She wasn't the sister to the man who parted the Red Sea. She didn't get pregnant at the age of 99. All of those stories exist in this text as well. Were it not for her resurrection, we would have never heard of her. She was an ordinary woman who experienced a miracle because she responded to Peter's words, Tabitha, rise up. And if her, then maybe you as well. Yes, definitely you. Most of us do live ordinary stories through ordinary days that make up ordinary lives. Now, this doesn't mean plain or simple or boring or uneventful or even unmeaningful. It means that the bulk of us are not extraordinary by the world's standards. We may not all write books or appear on Oprah or be Oprah, for that matter. We may not have millions of people view our TED Talk or be on the New York Times bestseller list or have a perfume named after us. We may not live in a house that overlooks the ocean or ride in a limousine everywhere we go. We may not do anything famous, quote-unquote, or notable. But that hardly means, in fact, that doesn't mean that you don't have the opportunity to be a living, breathing miracle. Rise up. Much life awaits you. Ordinary life, beautiful life, life period. That is the calling, the challenge, what matters most in the midst of the ordinary days, our ordinary lives, to rise up and step into life. Now here's how I know you can do this, how I know you already do this, how I know that you are already a living, breathing miracle. You survive little and big deaths that occur almost every day. Then you get up again the next morning. You survive loss and somehow open your eyes to the world that remains. And sometimes you feel nearly gone certainly down and out, but you hear the voice that faintly calls, get up, and you do so yet again. That's miraculous. We've been conditioned to think of a miracle as something that is completely outside the realm of possibility. The Red Sea parting, Jesus walking on water, and yeah, the dead brought back to life. But what of the miracle That despite our grief and agony and depression and profound sadness, we still hope? What of the miracle that despite marriages or relationships that bind and bruise, we continue to live and sometimes leave? What of the miracle of our ability to open our eyes one more day, to sit up one more day, to take the hand of someone else one more time, to rise. Miracles, everyone. And in each of these situations, large or small, especially small, Tabitha smiles. And she whispers yet again the same words she heard. Rise up, rise up, rise up. So much life awaits you. Now, before I get to point number three, I want to insert something here that I think is miraculous in and of itself. I've talked about this before in a couple of other contexts, but it bears repeating. Did you know that there are only nine accounts of people being raised from the dead in all of scripture? Only nine. Three are in the Old Testament, two of which are the sons of women. It is the woman's story that we we hear Then in the New Testament, Jesus performs three miracles. He raises the son of a widow. He raises a young girl. And the third is bringing his friend Lazarus back to life in response to the heartache of two more women, Mary and Martha. And then, of course, we have the story of Jesus' resurrection itself. Then there are two more in the New Testament. One is where the Apostle Paul raises a young man, and then this one where Peter raises Tabitha. So nine resurrections— And of those nine, two-thirds of them, six of them, are of women or for women. That's pretty astonishing, don't you think? I I think that's huge. It astounds me. It thrills me. It pleases me to no end. And it feels like a miracle, to be sure. Now, I have lots of thoughts about why this is, what it means, what it signifies, why we ought to care. But here's what's most important about this tiny piece of data in case you didn't know, women matter. Their lives matter. They are the subject and stuff of miracles. And that includes you. Which leads me to my third point. Miracles are yours to experience. I don't feel like I need to say much more about this. I've spoken to it quite a bit already in this podcast. But what I think it comes down to is whether or not you will actually believe that this is true. It takes faith, right? Believing that miracles could be yours. What it doesn't take is more work, more effort, more labor, or being a better, stronger, wiser, thinner, prettier, kinder person. Instead, it is about accepting that it is so that this is so for you, not just other people, that this is your destiny, that it is what Tabitha most wants you to learn from her. You yourself are a miracle. We all know it. We all see it. It's so obvious. And there are even more miracles that are yours to experience. So watch, expect, believe They're yours to know and see and live. Tabitha's right about this, and I happen to think I am too. All right, one last thing I want to talk about before I finish up today, and that's actually about death. Tabitha's story invites us to consider what we need to let die so that a miracle can occur, so that life can yet return. Now, I won't speak for you, only for me on this one, but I'll tell you what. I have needed to let a lot of things die, and I still do. I resist it every single time. But what I've learned and keep learning is that when I let go, new life finally comes forth. It's just like nature, right? The leaves have to die in order to fertilize the soil so that the buds and the bulbs will flourish while they're still underground. It's dark, and it's cold, and it seems like nothing green will ever grow again. But always, every spring, life rises up, resurrection occurs, and another miracle happens through death. So, want an example? Here's one. When I can let my ongoing fear and worry about my daughter's whereabouts or decisions or every mood die, so to speak, it not only creates room for me to live my own life, but more to be present to them in unattached and healthy ways. Now, believe me, I'm not saying I'm good at this, only that I'm aware of the benefit. And when it happens, it is nothing short of a miracle, believe me. Here's another example. I had to let a relationship end probably 18 months ago or so. I I actually had to let it die. But as painful as that was and still is on some level, it created room for me to believe that I was worth choosing and that I could actually choose myself. That is miraculous. Here's one more example. When I let go or let die of my deep-seated belief that life has to be hard and that struggle equals value and that it's only when I suffer enough that I will produce anything of worth in the world, this is of course something I could talk about in yet another podcast, it actually creates room, space, and life for me to step into a place of ease It has been my refusal to let go of these things, these patterns, these relationships, these beliefs that have actually kept me in places of death. Life has only come when I have let go. And it's not just once. It's over and over again. And this is just one more reason why I love Tabitha's story. She reminds me that both death and life are present. Both are necessary. Both matter. And in both, miracles occur. May it be so. Okay, by way of review, the three points in Tabitha's story that I've offered you today. Number one, you deserve fierce advocacy. Number two, rise up. Much life awaits you. Number three, miracles are yours to experience. And if I were to throw a fourth one in here, it would be this. Sometimes letting things die is the only way that life can emerge. Now, hear Tabitha's voice as I imagine it on your behalf. Dear one, it still nearly undoes me to realize the means to which my friends were willing to go on my behalf. Their longing for life has sustained mine. And now I offer the same to you. I long for all that offers you life and hope, goodness and preciousness. I advocate for you. I passionately and endlessly stand alongside you, providing you glimpse after glimpse of just how much you matter, just how beautiful and miraculous you truly are. Rise up. Much life awaits you and miracles are yours to experience because you are my daughter, my lineage, my kin. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another story worth telling.